Welcome back to the My Entertainment World podcast. Today we have another interview for you. This one is with Greg Delgetti, who is the creator of Toronto's premier barbarian band. I'm going to leave it to Greg to explain to you exactly what a barbarian band is. Um, but in the meantime, you can get tickets to see Thunderglove perform before the 40th anniversary screening of Conan the Barbarian at the Review Cinema coming up next Tuesday. So be sure to get those tickets at reviewcinema.ca. And I'm just going to jump right into the interview. Um, keep in mind that we are starting with a story about why his Zoom name is, of all things, the Pooh Master. Uh, why the Pooh Master? I used to play, uh, well, I still do from time to time in a, in a band called the Trollblazers. And we had an album called uh, The Bathroom is Rockupied. Um, and when I was signing up for a Zoom account, we just recorded The Bathroom is Rockupied, which had a dancing turd on the album cover. And I guess that the Pooh Master is what popped into my head when I needed a name. And it, I complete, I, I use Microsoft Teams all the time at work. And it's been a while since I've been on Zoom. So it wasn't until... And it's my, I've got a, two laptops and I realized that this one doesn't have Zoom loaded. So I was quickly downloading it. Then I joined as the Pooh Master and here we are. It was too late. I can't, whatever. It's honest. That's more story than you bargained for. There you, there you go. Um, so you are, as you mentioned, in a, a lot of these sort of like wacky bands. Can you tell us a little bit about your musical origin story and how you ended up with this sort of interesting musical identity? Yeah, uh, so the the first one, I guess, that uh, got my foot in the door was a band called The Screamagers that I started about 15 years ago. Uh, we did all these uh, horror movie themed songs. We were sort of like a pop band, like picture like 60s bubblegum pop, uh, sort of like Herman's Hermit style music, but all about horror films, like name a horror film and we'd have a song about it. And that sort of got my foot in the door, uh, did some pretty good shows, got to open up for touring bands a couple of times. And just got to meet all these people on the scene. So I sort of became more established playing in a variety of surf bands, instrumental surf. So then I played in a couple bands called the Von Dratz and Lou Hour Die, which were both mainstays of the Toronto surf scene. And just, you know, over the years sort of got to know all these people. And two of those people are now, actually three of those people are, are now in Thunderglove. So the Thunderglove, the drummer that we had in the Scream Ages is now playing drums with us. Uh, one of the guitar players from the Von Dratz is playing guitars, guitar in uh, Thunderglove. And the amazing lead guitar player from Lou Hour Die, she plays bass in Thunderglove. So, yeah, I was locked up in the pandemic, just like everybody else. And I play a few instruments in, in the various bands I've played in. I've, I've played different instruments in a lot of them. Um, and I'd always wanted to learn to play the synthesizer. I'm a huge fan of... An, an enormous variety of horror films, but, you know, the 80s films had these wonderful synth scores and, you know, stuff like John Carpenter. I was really into that. And I'd always been meaning I need to buy a synthesizer and learn how to use it. The actual parts of playing the keys came fairly quickly from playing other instruments, but knowing how to actually get sounds you want out of a synthesizer was more of a challenge. But I started doing that in my own time. Uh, and during lockdown time, there was nowhere, as you know, Toronto locked down pretty hard. There was nowhere to go and not much to do. So I would spend, I would kill hours a day once I finished work, just learning to play this synthesizer. And at the time I was consuming a very steady diet of Conan ripoffs. Um, specifically, I've got this box at Roger Corman collection of, of all these movies that were spawned in the wake of Conan. And, and specifically it was the film Deathstalker 2. Uh, which is directed by Jim Wynorski. It's my favorite Wynorski film, but it has this incredibly catchy, rousing score composed by Chuck Serino, 
Uh, and I just, I'd seen Deathstalker 2 before, but I was sitting there in lockdown and watching Deathstalker 2 and thinking like, my God, this theme song is so incredibly catchy. This little synth theme song, obviously done on a budget. I'm like, this is great. And I was watching all these other, you know, the various Deathstalker films and, you know, movies like Barbarian Queen and The Warrior and The Sorceress, stuff like that. And just thinking this, this is a good idea. I'm onto something here. And I recorded the first Thunderglove album in lockdown. I played everything on it. I played the drums and the bass and the guitar and the synths. And then once things started to ease up, I reached out to some of my former bandmates, uh, had meetings with them to discuss the idea of let's let's do this as a real band. Um, and that's what happened. It was it was around last November that I started reaching out to people. And I think we started rehearsing last December. And we've played a lot of good shows already. Uh, this one we're doing next week is, is a huge opportunity for us. But we played a sold-out show at the Baby G earlier this summer, which holds about 150 people. And I was, you know, I've done the band from the ground up thing a few times, and this has gone really, really well. We've gotten some good shows, and I think it certainly helps that we have a gimmick. I have no illusions about uh, people thinking that we're serious musicians who take this very, very seriously when we're dressing up like barbarians. It definitely helps get people's attention. So you market Thunderglove as a barbarian band. What is that all about the costume or like what exactly is the essence of a barbarian band? The costume is certainly a big part of it. And when we before we ever did a live show, we had a band meeting to discuss the sort of concept of of how we wanted to come across, because, yeah, we, we treat it pretty serious. Like we know it's funny and it's intended to be funny. But our approach to presenting this humorous endeavor is to to really think about what we're doing. So we had these conversations about what would Thunderglove, how would they act in any given scenario? Are they just ruthless barbarians who are into pillaging and, and committing various atrocities? Or do they have sort of a sense of honor, which is which is what Conan and various other barbarians did? And we actually drew a lot of inspiration from the Klingons. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I don't have anything to support this, but I kind of wonder if Gene Roddenberry was maybe inspired somewhat by Conan. I mean, he certainly came up in the right era, but you know, the Klingons were pretty... Uh, aggressive and ruthless, but at the same time, very honorable, right? They had this, their whole society is built on honor. So we we kind of wanted to be like that, like be brutal and vengeful, but also, you know, I remember we had a specific conversation about Thunderglove would never fight anyone who's unarmed. Like that would be a line that we wouldn't cross. So that's that's part of it. And we we get into, you know, we usually do the sound check. Obviously, no one is at the venue when we do that, usually, except for the staff. And then we get changed into costume immediately after that. And we're in costume the whole night, like before we go on stage and after. And we try to stay in character that whole time. It's really fun. People seem to get a kick out of it. Certainly helps with the T-shirt sales and things like that. Um, so that's one, I think, element of answering your question in terms of how we come across. And the other part is the music. And it's tough to describe because they're instrumentals. Um, but I was like writing these songs. I was going for the same sort of rousing vibe of, of Chuck Serino's Deathstalker 2 score. There were a lot of great scores in a lot of Barbarian films. And, uh, you know, uh, Basil Polidorus, who did the score for Conan the Barbarian, that's a phenomenal score. And, you know, we're going to do one of the songs from the movie at this screening next week. But I really started paying more attention to the music and just realizing what a phenomenal composer he was. But we're guess I guess to answer your question more briefly, we're just trying to give the song sort of an epic rousing quality. Uh, a lot of the songs rhythmically are gallops, 
So if you listen to a lot of those barbarian scores, a lot of the music would be galloping rhythms, which are sort of that's sort of evocative of riding into battle on horseback, right? They've all sort of got like a horseback feel when when you're galloping. So we gallop, I would say, in about roughly around 75% of the songs. I know the first album where the, there were eight songs that I played, I galloped on on six of the eight, which is that 75%. So yeah, galloping is key. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the Conan connection and what it is about that film do you think has had the staying power to be celebrating a 40th anniversary? Yeah, I mean, it was a great film. And the I think that it its influence was twofold, right? On the one hand, you had, it was this surprise success. It was a big hit and it spawned a ton of imitators in its wake. A lot of these were very low rent imitators. Um, some really zany Italian films like Conquest that was a Conan ripoff that went far zanier than Conan ever went and movies like the Deathstalker series. So you see that all the time to this day, right? When one movie does something that hasn't really been done, it spawns a whole bunch of imitators. So I think that on the one hand, Conan launched this barbarian craze and we have that, you know, Conan to thank for that. And maybe you wouldn't want to thank it for some of the movies that it influenced. Uh, it's not like Conan invented the swords and sorcery genre. Movies like The Beastmaster came out in the same year. I think I think that often gets labeled a Conan ripoff, but I can't see how it would have been ripping off Conan and come out in such quick succession, right? Doesn't make sense. But the other thing is it like it made Arnold Schwarzenegger a star. So he was somewhat of a known commodity. I mean, he'd been in Pumping Iron and, and Hercules in New York, where he was actually billed as Arnold Strong and he was dubbed. Um, but Conan is the thing that made this guy a superstar, right? He he went from sort of a guy on the periphery to sort of a household name overnight with Conan. And without Conan, I mean, like, look at all the movies that came out with Arnold in the immediate wake, right? Two years later, you had Conan the Destroyer, but you also had Terminator. And then you've got movies like Commando, um, Predator, Total Recall. I mean, he enjoyed a period of about 10 or 12 years where he was riding at the apex of his career immediately in the wake of Conan. And I would go as far to suggest, I'm not drawing a direct line, but I don't think he would have been governor of California if it weren't for Conan, right? He just, he I don't think it, he, he would never have had that catapult into the stardom because he sort of went from being the, the guy who, who won all these bodybuilding competitions to reaching the stratosphere pretty quickly after Conan. So I think it not only had a huge influence on the genre, which I'd, I'd, I'd largely describe as the swords and sorcery genre, not just barbarians, although barbarians would typically feature in these types of films, but also Arnold Schwarzenegger's career as we know it, right? He's quoted as saying that Conan was God's gift to his career. Not saying it's, you know, everyone's got their favorite Arnold movie, um, but it, if without Conan, I don't think we would have had all the ones that so many people love. So tell us a little bit more about this event happening in Toronto next week and how Thunderglove is involved. Yeah, so the Review Cinema is, have you ever been there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. So you, I don't need to tell you about it, but I'll tell your listeners. It's this nonprofit cinema. It's now celebrating its 110th birthday, which is amazing and phenomenal. Their, their director of programming, Serena Whitney, does a phenomenal job. Like I am at the Review several times a month. If you're a real movie fan, not to sound like a snob, but if you, if you treat movie going as an event, the review is a cinema for you. And it's always a highlight of my month when they post their entire schedule for the month, showing you what's coming up next month. Because every single month at the review, I'd love to go to at least half of the screenings. 
Um, so yeah, they do these special event screenings uh, from time to time. They do so. This is the 40th anniversary screening. They do tons of fun stuff like this. And in the past, I'd seen bands play at some of these screenings. Um, one band is Blood Opera, who I've seen play at like at least 10 screenings at the Review. And I've since gone to see them, uh, not at review screenings, and they're just a phenomenal band. And I discovered them because of the review. So I once we ha had the Barbarian thing down and we'd done a couple shows, I'm like, we got to get into the review. So yeah, I, I just reached out to them and said, hey, in, in case you weren't aware, Toronto has Canada's premier Barbarian band right here. And if you want to show a Swords and Sorcery film sometime, we'd love to play it. Um, and that was you know, a while ago, but we, it all worked out. They reached out to us, said, Hey, it's the 40th anniversary screening of Conan. Why don't you come do this? So yeah, we're really excited. I mean, as of today, I saw that it was 60% sold out. So that's really encouraging. Uh, it's a Tuesday night too, right? Tuesday night at nine 30 is, is sort of a tough draw, but I'd love to see it get all the way to hundred percent sold out. And anyone who's listening, who might want to go, don't sleep on getting tickets. Cause I go to a ton of review screenings, but I've been burned multiple times by not getting tickets quickly enough. There's this Friday, they're showing the Warriors. That sold out. I'm hoping for a rush line. I, I, I tell you, it's happened to me before. If you see a movie that looks fun, there's a very good chance it might sell out if you don't act now. And yes, that's obviously a, a self-interested thing for me to say, but it's true. How does the, the night work, though? Is Thunderglove, are they going to miss Thunderglove if they show up right at screen time or do they have to come early? How does it work? No, so the 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 screenings at nine thirty. So the way that these screenings work at the reviews, the doors always open a half hour in advance. Um, so the doors are op will open at nine. And for a screening like this, Thunderglove would go on at the stated start time. Okay. So we're going to play for about ten minutes, uh, and then they're going to launch into the movie. So as long as you show up in time for the actual screen time, and I don't think that'll be an issue because I go to a lot of review screenings, and the, that like the review just attracts the diehards. It's a combination, I think, of that uh, cinema was on the brink and it was rescued in, I think, 2007. So they're like, it's a real Roncesvalles institution, right? People who live in Roncesvalles and Roncesvalles is such a nice neighborhood in the city, like so many great businesses on that strip. So I think on the one hand, you've got people who are part of the local community who really want to support the review because uh, they know 15 years ago they were close to losing it. And I think they're just, they love the review. They know what how important it is. And on the other hand, I think you've got people who are cinema, you know, like, fans who are just coming from all over the city. Um, and I'm sure that many of the people who live in Roncesvalles is, would fall into both of those groups, right? But yeah, people show up on time for these things. And they, you know, the Review is a great place to go to get some local craft beers. Like they've got the High Park Brewery beers there. I always grab a High Park off the leash IPA when I'm taking in whatever screening I'm at. And they, they do it right. Like uh, there's a poster artist, last Johnny on the left, who does for all these special event screenings, they do posters that you can buy for five bucks. They're like 11 by 17 posters. He did an amazing one for this Conan screening. They they just do it all right. And the, the trailer that they cut for this, I was at a screening the other week and I saw the Conan trailer. They put a Thunderglove song in it, but they have a guy named Nathan Boone who cuts all the trailers, does special, special event trailers for the review. It's really, really cool. They just put so much love and effort into everything they do there. Um, and it was, yeah, sort of an idea that, I mean, I've been going, I remember the first time I went to the review, sorry, I'm probably rambling, feel free to edit this out, it was about 15 years ago, not long after they'd been saved. And I went to go see a screening of Zombie, the Lucio Fulci film that's very famous for a underwater fight between a shark and a zombie. And I fell in love with the place. I've been going there ever since regularly. So it's, it's really special to me to be playing there, to have reached out to them and 
have them eventually come back and, and invite us to do this. It's going to be great. But but to answer your question in a sentence, yeah, show up at 930 and you'll catch Thunderglove and the movie. Okay. And is there anything else you want us to know about Thunderglove or the event? I think I've prattled on a lot about uh, the event itself, but yeah, it's going to be great. I just, I, I love the review and and happy birthday to them. 110 years is a great success story. Uh, as for Thunderglove, uh, we've got a couple other things coming up afterwards. Uh, December 17th, we're playing Wolf Island, which is one of the islands outside of Kingston, Ontario. And it's pretty badass for us to be playing a, an island called Wolf Island. I think it's very barbaric. Uh, we're playing with two local acts called Cacao and jukebox county they're both really great and the venue looks amazing i'm really excited for that one and then january 14th we're back in toronto at the handlebar in kensington market and the other acts on that bill are the great octopus he's great we played with him before um esther splat and banana nana nana from hamilton they will blow your minds we played with them in niagara falls uh, earlier this year in september and banana nana nana that's an experience um look you'll look them up and you'll think wow this is some interesting noise i'm listening to and yeah it's definitely noise music but seeing them live was like a mind-altering experience so i cannot recommend that highly enough for anyone in the toronto area and then at the end of january um we're recording our third release we still don't have a name for it yet but we've got a good 13 or 14 songs at least that we haven't actually recorded so Plenty of materials for new, plenty of material for new releases, and we'll be doing that at the end of January, and hopefully in the interim, coming up with a name for the album and figuring out artwork and all that stuff. So tell us again where we can, all the places we can find Thunderglove online. I mean, googling Thunderglove will probably yield the results, but you can find us at. You need to. It's really irritating at thunder-glove.com. You need to use the hyphen, and you also have to put in the www, or else it doesn't work. Because it's really just a, it's just a domain domain we bought that just points to our link tree. But you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. That's where we do most of the social stuff, and we post links to all our stuff there. So if you find Thunderglove on Instagram, which is our handle, is just Thunderglove. You know, click a link to our link tree, and it's got tickets for everything that's coming up. And that's that's the way we're keeping people in the loop for the most part right now. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been great talking to you. You too. Have a great day and enjoy next Tuesday. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Bye. Take care. So that's it for my interview with Greg. I hope you get those tickets to the review. And if you're listening to this after the show is already done, check out uh, Thunderglove online. Um, and you should check us out online. We are myentertainmentworld.ca is the website where you can find all of our interviews, reviews, features, editorials, all of that jazz. Um, as well as on Facebook, My My Entertainment World, YouTube, My Entertainment World, Instagram, and Twitter are both My Ent World, My E-N-T World. We're also on Pinterest, if you ever want to check out our Pinterest. Um, yeah, so I think that's all for me. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs>